You are listening to CJSW 90.9 FM, broadcasting out of Calgary, Alberta, at the University of Calgary. Why you don't understand? Camera speed. Sound production, take one. Welcome, welcome back, everyone, to episode two of Movie Night with Sif. I'm your host, Gabby Aguilar, and guest hosting today, we have the lovely, the talented, Lucia Julio, who is our Partnerships and Donations Manager. Say hi, Lucia. Hello. We have a great show planned for you today. We'll be speaking with the man himself, our boss, Steve Schrader. Steve has been the Executive Director of the Calgary International Film Festival for over a decade. By the time he arrived at SIF in 2012, he already had 14 years of arts and culture experience under his belt. As Executive Director of one of Canada's best-known performing arts companies, One Yellow Rabbit Performance Theatre... He produced over a dozen new works and even helped grow the High Performance Rodeo, Calgary's International Festival of the Arts, into the largest annual event of its kind in Western Canada. If you're an avid SIF-goer, you might have seen him introducing films, hosting Q&As, and occasionally working it on the red carpet. Here to talk about who we are, what we do, and what it takes to run a film festival is SIF's HBIC, Steve Schrader. Good morning, Steve. How are you today? I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you? Uh, Well, doing great over here. How are you, Lucia? Oh, I'm wonderful. I mean, it's pretty early in the morning. Not usually, not our usual hours. Um, we get started pretty late in the day, thank God, because we're artsy. Um, but thank <laughs> you for being here with us, Steve. My pleasure. I want so- you to tell us about how you ended up here. Because, like, I know you personally, but I feel like I haven't heard this story. Was this what you envisioned yourself doing as a kid? Have you always had an interest in movies? <laughs> yeah, it- I, I I have always had a, a really big connection to movies. Some of my earliest memories are, uh, and, and and some of the things that sort of excited me most as a kid were movie related, you know, or movie centered for sure. As to sort of like a career in the arts and running festivals, that's something that I kind of discovered by accident, you know, when I was, um, you know, a teen and then in university, the the career path I saw for myself was a little different. But I, I began working in the arts kind of as a as a way to do something that felt meaningful to me while I was, you know, trying while I was making other plans uh, as John to, to paraphrase John Lennon. I, I, I want I was a, I was playing in bands when I was in my early 20s and I really wanted a musical career. And, um, but I also didn't want to have just like a Joe job while I was, you know, to, to pay for that. So I want to do something that's meaningful. And I ended up working in live theater at uh, One Yellow Rabbit Performance Theater, actually. And um, within even just a couple months of working there, you know, in an entry level role, I was like, oh, this is something I could imagine doing for a long time. I love I love working in the arts. I love producing things. That's awesome. I mean, it's so um, it's like everybody's dream to have a job that's sort of paying for their dream and to have the job also be good. Because so many times, like, you know, you end up doing that job. And so it better be something you like because you're going to do it for a while. Totally. I'm super fortunate that, that I that I found out, found myself doing, you know, found myself doing something that was really fulfilling without necessarily having a master plan to get there when I was younger. For sure. I mean, rarely does anyone have a plan that's such an overhyped thing that like kids feel that they need to know exactly what they're going to do when they're like signing up for university. And it's just not the truth. You can do anything. Oh, I know. S- such pressure. Yeah. <laughs> it used to stress me out as a kid, for sure. <laughs> Speaking of what you do, I know this is like the question that you love answering and that people ask you. What does the executive director of a film festival do exactly, specifically this film festival? Yeah, because, you know, different organizations might define it or frame it slightly differently. But I mean, like the executive director role. um, Well, first of all, I mean, it could sound glib, but ultimately like accountable for everything. 
at the festival, which doesn't mean I do everything. And SIF has, you know, many um, staff and volunteers, you know, with expertise in their areas. And I certainly am uh, more of a generalist by nature than an, than an expert in any one area. Certainly not a film expert. I would never frame myself that way. But but accountable for everything in the sense of like, if the film festival was an orchestra, I would be like the executive director would be the conductor. Everything, in other words, having a sense of where you're going, like the, the conductor keeps everybody on the same pace, working towards the same goal. The way you're playing is is something the conductor helps uh, guide. So for example, like in, in, in terms of running a film festival, like the way we work, the culture we try to foster in the organization. And also just like ensuring that everybody's part is contributing to the whole, right? The, the, the whole in SIF's case being the overall experience we want to create for the audience and for for all the partners and and people who who come together to help make the festival happen. So it's kind of keeping it all together, I guess you could say. I love that. I mean, that makes sense. I've seen you keep some stuff together. <laughs> Once in a while, I've managed to, yeah. I think too, just like, not to give too long of an answer, but executive director, often it's a lot of people think about money or human resources or like business plans or like administration and all that is definitely part of it. But really way before that, more foundational is like, do we have a compelling vision we're working towards about what we want the festival to be for the people that it is for, for the audience, for the public, right? And I bring some vision to the table, but also helping people those who work here to like incorporate their visions so that it comes together into a whole of where we're all bought in and we're trying to make this amazing thing Um, i know this was before you were working here but can you tell us about sif's origin story like how did it get started why was it started it was the late 90s um so just for a bit of context sif's been around for a little over two decades i come into the story like halfway through basically i started in 20 12. But so way before that, in the late 90s, a fellow in Calgary here named David Morelli had a vision for uh, Calgary to have a really remarkable, well-known international film festival. And so he, supported by his friend Andy Ike, who was SIF's first programming director, they, they put together, which sort of, I think, became the first board of SIF, began to lay the groundwork for there to be a major international film festival in Calgary. And the first edition, had there were a couple of small things they did in like in 99 including like fundraisers, but the first festival itself happened in the year 2000. And right away, I was working in the arts in Calgary at at One Yellow Rabbit at the time. So I remember, you know, the arrival of SIF onto the festivals and arts landscape in Calgary. And it was definitely, it got people's attention. Like the first weekend of the festival, it was only, I think, four or five days. But right away, there was an audience of like 8,000 people, which might not sound like a lot, but that's very high for any anybody who's ever tried to organize a festival like that's a very good first year when you have no history no budget no yeah. track record no reputation right no, really, very little funding really even and that just showed that like okay Calgary definitely there's a there's an appetite for this year and then Calgary has a great audience for for movies for many reasons but we that we could go into but um so in it, it, over those first few years it grew very quickly i think the audience hit to like 20,000 within the first uh, three to five years. And so like, that's really remarkable. Um, And many stakeholders came to the table very quickly. So a lot of energy around SIF. And and I think Calgary is a great, a great city. People don't always think of Calgary necessarily internationally when they think of movies, though they should. It's about time they do. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, Well, how have you seen the organization grow during your time here? Uh, during my time, for sure, the, the growth has continued. Um, you know, the audience, uh, the, the audience has continued to expand. Even with the pandemic, you know, we have audiences between thirty and 40,000 a year. So 
Um, and and also just like the uh, I, in, I've seen us get a, uh, increasing international recognition. Like we have now very consistently, not every year exactly, but but very consistently over the past decade, we've been one of Movie Maker Magazine's top 50 film festivals worth the entry fee for filmmakers. So, um, and that's that's a global list. So, whoa, whoa. Um, Look at us know, go. We're really yeah, I know, again. right? So increasing energy in the industry um, and attention in the industry from filmmakers, our submissions, we keep, we keep setting records almost every year in terms of films submitted to the festival. Now, I think around 4,000 would be, would be typical for us and, um, and, and lots of, lots of growing excitement. So, yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I had, I, that all sounds so impressive all put together. Logically, I know that, but I mean, here, I'm so proud of us. Um, obviously there's a, uh, <laughs> There's a lot of film festivals around the world. And, you know, we talked about Calgary not necessarily being thought of as the destination for that. But, you know, these festivals are beloved and well attended. Among all of these sorts of similar events, what makes SIF a unique experience? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, because there are, you know, unique is, is it can be hard to frame. There are thousands and thousands of film festivals in the world, um, big and small. Uh, so, I mean, I think that, for SIF, one of the things that we um, have really done a lot of, especially during my time here, is like, um, like internally at SIF, like we all we talk about, you know, film and so much more as being the festival experience that we're trying to foster. And I think we really do focus on that, the and so much more part of that phrase. Certain certain years, we've we've gone deeper than others, but. Um, increasingly, we really are focused on creating experiences that celebrate film and that have film at their heart, but that add on to the the film watching experience. You know, my favorite part of, of go, going to SIF or frankly, any film festival is just watching a bunch of movies. But you know right. what I also love? I love it when festivals put on special events like there's live music is part of your experience. I love it when great parties are part of your experience. I love it when super interesting guests give amazing, insightful uh, talks and um, and and you come away with a much deeper appreciation for the craft of filmmaking. I love it when we look at um, what you know art and entertainment on, involving you know on screen uh, is defined, we, and we explore that um, beyond things that are beyond the sort of the, the the traditional definition of a film or a movie. Right when we work those those types of programming into the festival, right. that's that's really exciting. So by do I think I think you know. Our approach to lots of festivals are, are exploring those areas, but I think SIF's approach to it is very unique in terms of like the sense of fun and freshness we bring to our thinking around what those experiences can be. And I, I think we're just going to focus more and more on, on, on that as we go. And I mean, I know that, you know, we said part of your job is really looking big picture, often thinking, you know, years in advance. Um, I think this sort of and more thing is, again, something we're really hoping to grow in the future. Do I mean, I know we can't really say, but do you think it's going to be even bigger this year than it was last year, the sort of extracurricular aspect should we call it yeah well we're we're moving in that direction for sure um i think we've we've, we've gotten more intentional in in planning for the festival you know earlier in the year to 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 just kind of um brainstorm and get really creative and give everybody permission to come with their their wildest ideas about <laughs> when i say everyone i mean everyone on the sif on the on, on the team not just the, the, the program <laughs> not just the broad public but like yeah, but le le well, we want to hear from the broad public too. If you have a good idea, email us. <laughs> Send uh, it info in. at sifcalgary.ca. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, no, honestly, like I think we're we're gonna 
I think especially in the area of music in 2022, we're going to see a lot of very cool crossover programming. That's exciting. Um, so if you weren't a part of the SIF organization and you were just coming to check it out, like as a guest, uh, what would you what would you be doing? What would you recommend? What's your favorite part? Um, well, for me personally, like uh, if I was approaching SIF like like any of the other film festivals I've been to, I mean, one of my favorite things to do, and it's kind of no brainers, just like go through the overall program and try to narrow down on like oh, six, eight, ten films that I want to see and then just dive in. And like punctuate, like maybe so I love seeing, I love going to a film festival and seeing like, you know, three, four, five films in a day and like just interspersing that with beer and coffee (laughs) and the occasional (laughs) meal in between them, right? And just getting into it. And I I love actually, um, and this is my advice often to people who are like, what should I see? Sometimes it's fun to just pick a movie completely at random in the lineup that you know nothing about and just go sit in a seat and watch it. And those are some, sometimes, sometimes some of, you know, the, my most favorite, um, in, in retrospect, favorite movie watching and film festival experiences, just like throw a dart at a dartboard and, and, and pick something at totally at random. Yeah, I think a lot of times going in with no expectations, nothing known about the movie can provide such a like fun and unique experience. Okay, well, so what do you love the most about working at SIF? I love that I just can wear jeans to work every day. Um, mm. <laughs> I love the people I work with. I mean, I really enjoy our team. Um, it's such a it's such a group of um, amazing and really uh, amazing people who just are really want to want to come together and and make something special and exciting and fun for for the audience. I love uh, and, and I guess I got to think in threes. What's the third thing I love? It's just really satisfying. <laughs> To um, when, when it all comes together and when you when you put on a festival or a special event within the festival and people come and they have an you can see they're having an amazing time and what you've planned for all year comes together. That's that's a that's a favorite part. You know, that comes with a lot of exhaustion, too, by the end <laughs> of the festival. But but it's, it's a satisfying kind of feeling when it all works. Actually, I'd like to talk about festival time because I feel like there's some inside baseball that we need to let people in on. It's like. That week of the festival, it might seem a little glamorous, which is incorrect sometimes. <laughs> um, it, is, it is a little bit of a hectic process because we're working really hard to put on something, you know, really, truly special. Um, you've been through a festival or 10 in your time. Can you tell me sort of about like a hectic week during a festival or maybe some of the of the craziest, most hectic moments? Well, it is really hard to... Um overstate the how intense and demanding um organizing and running a film festival is particularly yeah as you say like in the immediate lead up to and during the festival because the film festival sounds to the public i think it's, it sounds really simple on paper it's like get a bunch of movies show just them play them. put them on a screen yeah. sell tickets just play them um it, and it's like i use i was a live theater and live live um, live event producer before SIF. And like that has its own complexities, putting real human beings on stage and, you know, and, and their schedules and all that. But what's different about a film festival is just like the incredible volume of content that is in a festival. Like, you know, by number of films, SIF is kind of, I guess, an average international film festival. Like when you look at major regional festivals around the world, like we'd be sort of average in terms of number of films we show. But even that average is crushingly daunting like to 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 preview 4000 films and then pick a couple hundred out of that that itself is a 
It's a mess of time. People forget too. Like film festivals don't start really con- confirming their programming until a couple months before the festival. Often people assume, oh, you must know, you know, a year or two in advance what movies you're going to show. It's like, no, no. We might know a certain director that we like is making a movie that we might want to show, but it's a completely different thing to actually get the rights to screen the movie at the festival and even find out who to talk to to get the rights. And like, so it all comes together and whether it's going to be finished on time at the festival. So it all comes together very quickly. Um, and because you are showing like, you know, um, you know, I worked at the High Performance Rodeo, like a big day was three theater shows in the festival, right? Like three performances. A quiet day at SIF has like 15 screenings. That's like a busy day has has 25. So that's 25 separate audiences that you need to get in and out of the screenings. And it's packed together so tightly that if there's any kind of bump in the road, there's no... There's very little room for for error or for adjustment if there's a problem. Like so, they're complex machines. Film festivals are, especially when you bring together all the all the partners and sponsors and media and filmmakers themselves attending. Like there is so much to coordinate that it it's just yeah. Anyways, it, it burns. It, festivals can break people. Like you need to have <laughs> a certain kind of a you need to have a certain kind of a of a mindset and like you know, approach to your overall annual life, like to make something as demanding as a festival part of your part of your work cycle. Like it, it, it eats your life for a couple of months and it the rest really of does. it is just getting ready, is just getting ready for that experience. Sorry, that's probably a long answer, but. <laughs> no, um, no, no, that's totally and, and it's, I'm not complaining. Like, d- d- don't get me wrong. I've, I've run festivals for 20, you know, for, for over 20 years. Uh, um, so I must love it, but, but, but it, it can be really intense. No, it can be intense, but I like, you know, I've only done one. So I can't really talk on the overall thing. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but I find it really gratifying. I mean, it is like you kind of tell your friends not to contact you. You're like, I'm festival mode. But then you sort of watch an audience like really sort of have a unique experience or like a really wonderful moment at the theater or at a festival scape function. And you're like, oh, my God. You know, like this was so worth it. We did that for them, you know. Yeah, that's where that feeling of reward, like that, that feeling of reward comes in. Yeah. Amazing. You need that feeling. You need that feeling of of, of satisfaction and reward um, it, to like kind of balance off how, um, you know, the, you know, how the multiple like 12 to 14 hour days that it takes <laughs> in a row. Right. To to just to just make it happen. Yeah. So now we're going to have to ask you the question. The one question every guest on this podcast has to answer and we'll have to answer to okay. the end of time. Uh, Ben Proudfoot, our very first guest, gave a pretty great response last episode about enraging the British public with his score choices. That's going to be hard to top, but I have a feeling after so many years in the biz, you might be able to. (laughs) Um, So, alas, what is your most embarrassing film festival story? My most embarrassing film festival story? Um, (laughs) uh, Well... It's it's a hard question to answer, especially I did hear Ben Proudfoot's answer, and it was a great one. So <laughs> they don't always make the best stories because often there's something like you know technical that goes wrong, or, you know, and and it's just like it's more like I, I'm just kicking myself, but it doesn't make an entertaining entertaining story necessarily when I when when, when something's gone wrong at SIF, right? <laughs> um, which which happens at all festivals. Uh, I mean, there was the year I think it was my second year at SIF when we had gone to a new box office platform. And it's kind of crashed on the opening night of the festival. So, like, all of a sudden, I show up at the theater, and our our venue manager was in just <laughs> really upset. I could see right away something was wrong. There were no tickets. Nobody, they, they couldn't call up any of the tickets people had ordered. That was, you know, that was, oh we don't do this so much anymore. But there were, there were still a lot of physical tickets in those days where people would, 
people would arrive and they would need to check in at box office to, you know, to claim their tickets. And we couldn't call up any of their information. Um, and there were no, there, there were no, there were no tickets to hand out. There was, there was nothing to scan, you know, as before smartphone apps where you were like, people were necessarily had, had ticket scanners. So like, basically there was just simply no ticketing. It was as if no, it was as if the hundreds of people showing up at the festival, like none of them had a ticket and like, okay, how do we know who's, who actually has one and doesn't like, and so I remember literally like help just standing there in front of the box. office like, we were, we started like handwriting notes oh to my the, God. <laughs> saying like, this is a ticket to this movie and like giving it to people. It was, I was so embarrassed. And, like, everybody was, everybody was doing their best and the public was super gracious, but like that was, that was really rough. Do you have a, uh, do you have a handwritten ticket lying around anywhere? You should keep one and frame it. Yeah. <laughs> you should have one just to remember. That sounds. I did not. No, I've tried to block that night out actually of my mind, and you brought it all back. Thanks. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'll pay for your therapy bill. Um, <laughs> no, that sounds so hectic and insane. I think that was a great story. Good story, Steve. <laughs> um, I guess it's time for games. Steve, are you ready to play some games? I'm. I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Ooh, all right. Now we're going to play One Star Reviews, the game where our distinguished guest tries to guess a film by hearing a bad review. So the theme for this week is Now in Theaters. Um, and okay. our first review is he journals, he listens to Nirvana, and he has a crush on Zoe Kravitz. This man is just like me. Oh, I just saw this movie, so it's it's a little easy. This is a softball starter. Uh, it's the Batman, right? Yes! You totally it. right. You got it. All right. Well, let's see. I think they <laughs> get a little harder. So uh, the next one is, I want someone to love me the same way Nick Cage loves himself. Oh, um, I know the movie you're talking about because I just saw the trailer. In fact, when I was seeing the Batman, um, <laughs> I don't remember the name of the, it's the movie where Nick Cage plays himself. Right. Um, and Pedro Pascal, I think is the bad guy. And I yep. forget what's the name of the movie though. It's got a big um, long name. It's got a big long name. It's probably got, I don't remember the name. It's like, I'm just going to guess. It's like the, the unbearable lightness of being Nicholas Cage. I have no idea. Well, you got the first two words. It's the unbearable weight of massive talent. But I think we can give that to you. We can give it to you. Let's give it up for Steve. That, that was actually, I, that, I had no idea that I was actually even some of the words. <laughs> nice. No, we're giving it to you. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, the next one is finally a superhero whose whole deal is that he's just hungry, just craving for 104 minutes. Oh. I love this um, review. <laughs> oh, shoot. Um... It, I actually, I genuinely don't know the answer to this. Is it Spider-Man No Way Home? No. Which I haven't seen, so I have no idea if he's hungry through the whole movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, this is a movie I actually haven't heard of. Oh, um, no, no, I know what it is. Oh. I know what it is. Is it Mobius? Morbius? Yes, you ding, got ding, it. Ding. Wow, there I'm we impressed. Go. Jer- Jared Leto. Yeah, it is Jared Leto. Yes. He plays like a vampire. Yes, yes, yes. So he's Sorry, just totally, kind of... Of course, it totally kicked in. Of course, of course. That's <laughs> he's just kind is. of thirsting for blood the whole time. Um, do you want to read the next one, Lucia? Yeah, uh, so we have one more one-star review, and it is... Damn, Michael Bay just made a Grey's Anatomy episode for the fellas. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I've I've actually read a couple of other reviews of this movie... I don't know whether it's the review you're quoting from, but again, like I'm really bad for movie titles. I often remember like 
scenes from the movie or what the movie's about. I can remember movies very well, but sometimes titles escape me. But what is this one called? It's one word. The new Michael Bay movie. It's one. Oh, gee. I, I give up. I actually don't know. I'm not going to get it. Okay. Uh, it's called Ambulance. Okay. Ambulance. Right. You almost had it. I mean, if you knew, if you kind of knew the movie, I would count that as a win for you, but we can't give you the point, unfortunately. So that's going to have to be a personal win. Okay. Was that the last question? It was. But you got three out of four. I got three out of four. Okay. Three out of four ain't bad. Congratulations, Steve, on a wonderful run of one star reviews. Now it's time to play the Dirty Half Dozen. It's time for the Dirty Half Dozen, the game where we describe a film in six words, and our lovely guests have to guess what the hell we're talking about. Um, We have four options for you here. Let's see if you can beat your score of three out of four. The very first description is, like Pocahontas, but with blue people. Oh, Avatar. Yay, you got (laughs) it! That was a gimme, but I'll, you know, you still won. Points are points. Second one. (laughs) My fr- friend of mine calls that movie Dances with Wolves in Space. <laughs> I think it's actually, it's very, it's, that's a shockingly good description of it. That's almost a six word review. Um, the second one we have here is uh, Board Game, Releases Rhinos, High Jinx Ensues. Um, probably a movie I haven't seen. Um, is it Jumanji? It yes! is Jumanji! You got it, you got it. I I've seen half of Jumanji, <laughs> which is not to, should not be taken as a as a suggestion that I turned it off in disgust or anything. I just I just literally didn't have time to watch the whole movie and never came back to it. <laughs> no worries. Um, you ever turn the TV on at three p.m. on a Wednesday? You'll catch it. You'll catch all of it. Here's our third one. Here we have weird blue dog saves Hawaiian family. Weird blue dog saves Hawaiian family. <laughs> oh man. Uh. This is a hard oh, one. Boy. It's a kid's movie. I'll give you that. Yeah. Even when my, I, I have a, a son who's now a teenager. Even when he was a kid, um, we didn't watch a lot of kids movies per se. <laughs> he was obsessed with a movie with a dog in it, which is Marmaduke starring, uh, I think, <laughs> Owen Wilson is the voice of Marmaduke. <laughs> yes. But that's not it. That was set in California. Um, I give up. I, I, I won't get this. Do you know what? I'll give you another hint. It's a Disney movie. A Disney animated. Oh, that's not going to help. That's <laughs> not going to help with a blue dog. I'm 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 stuck. I'm sorry. There's Clifford the Big Red Dog. Wrong color. I don't know. <laughs> it is Lilo and Stitch. Unfortunately, oh, okay. um, Stitch. Okay. For those of you who don't know, is an alien from space who gets adopted as a dog. Hence the weird blue dog. Um, oh, okay. okay. I guess I guess that's what happens when your dad is like works for a film festival is you don't grow up watching oh yeah (laughs) that sounds my son my son he doesn't like um my son cole he he doesn't actually really watch a lot of feature-length films which you know we could have a whole conversation about it he does sometimes he he really loved edward scissorhands and there's certain movies he actually watched marmaduke like you know 20 times that's why (laughs) i know it so well but but um but it's funny like it viewing habits are changing for the younger generation for sure yeah wild we have a fourth the, the one Lego here. movie was was a favorite in our household too. The Lego movie is actually excellent, and I approve that choice. Um, we have a yeah. fourth one here. Uh, let's see if you get this one, you're gonna match your score. I gotta tell you, Steve, if you don't get this one, you're gonna be very sad. The summary is: Farmer kid blows up space station. 
farmer kid blows up space station. The first thing that popped in my mind was Interstellar. And of course, because, you know, it's space and they're on a farm at the beginning. Obviously, that's not it. Um, farmer kid blows up space station. Um, you love this one. I'm thinking of movies with space stations that blow up. Um, <laughs> and then there's Gravity. Uh, but that's not a farmer kid blowing up a space. That's space junk blowing up a space shuttle. Oh, geez. Both of those movies are too new. This is an older movie. Okay. Um, The first space station I saw in a movie was 2001 A Space Odyssey. That doesn't blow up. Um, In Moonraker with James Bond, uh, a space station is destroyed. That's also not a farmer kid. Oh, geez. I don't know. Farmer kid. I'm going to give you a clue. I feel totally lost. Yeah, no worries. I'll give you a clue that probably will give it away. Um, f- but like, I'll, it'll be the six word review thing. Farmer kid blows up Death Star. Oh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the audience at home is going, come on. Uh, no, Star Wars. Sorry. It is Star Wars. Good job, Steve, on the dirty half dozen. Um, That was a great turn. I know you love Star Wars, so maybe that was like, you know. I thought you were going to get it, Steve, I have to say, but you know. The review was a little too vague. <laughs> the review, it was a tricky review. I didn't want to give it away. There were some that was just like, they were just using catchphrases from the film. And I'm like, I can't put like, Luke, I am your father. Ah, uh, you know, it's like going to give it away. Um, yeah, great job, Steve. Thank you for playing with us today. My pleasure. That was fun. That's lovely that you hung out with us today. I'm so glad that we got to do this interview. Um, that's it, Steve. You're in the clear. Thank you. That was super fun. Okay, that's a wrap.